Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the HP Podcast. I'm here today. I guess I should say my name is Ben. With me here today is Brandon. What's up? Hey, how you doing? Good, man. You, you hanging in there? I'm hanging in there. Your, your shirt says damn. Is that is that expressing your feelings today? Damn. Damn. Kend- damn. Kendrick Lamar's damn, of course. Yes. And Dave, the beardiest Canadian I've seen today. What's going on? Well, I'm, I'm probably the only Canadian you've seen today, but... Uh, we won't yeah, really uh, get into all that. I've got uh, I've got a, a bit of a fuzz growing on my face in anticipation of not needing the mask anymore. So I'm hoping oh. uh, I got something that'll keep my face a little warm. But uh, yeah, yeah. Every 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 few months, I I decide to grow a beard, and I usually don't make it past the two week mark. Yeah. So here, I'm hoping I, I can get past that hump. It just gets so itchy and gross, and I don't like it. But uh, now, yeah. explain to me the the mask thing because I thought Canada was under a little bit more strict restrictions with masking and stuff right now. yeah but it looks like that's coming away soon oh, okay. um i'm certainly hoping because yeah. uh, it's i'm just i'm sick of the masks i i appreciate sure. what they've done throughout the, the life of the pandemic but it's coming to that point where it's where you're just tired of it yeah, yeah yeah and i don't know what the situation is down there but uh i'm i'm definitely looking forward to not having to wear the damn thing everywhere i go so i think the situation stateside as we call it here in the states is kind of um dependent upon where you are so in certain cities and certain places you might have more people wearing masks in other places you'll have less it's funny though because the the places with the higher vaccination rates are also the places with the higher mask usage which is fun it's just i'm not making a statement i just think it's funny how it works opposite the way you would think it would work but anyway but go, go sorry, I got to go back to the beard for a second because yes, please do. I, let's just I, st- let's park right here for the hour. <laughs> I didn't I didn't intend th- this was one of my intention when I decided to, to not shave for a little while. But the beard is actually functional. So I went and got a haircut the other day. OK. And um, the barber was cutting my hair and she was noticing that my my hairline above my ears was going like quite a bit higher as if as if like my hairline was receding up like this okay of course you listeners can't see me but i'm just sort of pushing my hand up where my sideburns would be and i'm and she said what happened here and i said i have no idea just like a year ago it it just stopped growing there and it's it's just i don't know and she's like oh you you should go see your doctor you might have a medical condition or something i'm like yeah i don't i don't know so she finished the haircut i came home i told my wife look up my beard and then it hit me i've been shaving my face exclusively in the shower for the last year. Uh, I prefer to do it in the shower because it's a lot hotter in there and there's a lot more moisture kicking around. It's just a nicer experience. But the problem with doing it in the shower is I don't have a mirror in there. So I've had no idea how high up I've been going. And I'm not realizing that for the past year, I've been shaving my hairline (laughs) higher and higher (laughs) above my ear. So the beard is functional because it's actually going to mask the fact that I'm trying to grow this part of my hair back because I haven't been shaving my fucking face properly so so yeah dave's over here fucking his own shit up (laughs) you know it was funny because i noticed a couple weeks ago when we were when we were talking i'm looking at you and i'm like we were i think we were actually talking about beards and one side is a little longer maybe but i noticed i'm like oh he doesn't doesn't have like any kind of sideburns going on no and like a lot of times even even people who have no beard or don't grow a beard, still have a slight amount of sideburns. And I was like, they doesn't have any sideburns at all. He must just be, you know, he must just have that nice of a face. He doesn't need them to mask what's underneath. I but mean, here I, it is. You're just an idiot. I just, I like sideburns. They usually come down to about, you know, the top part of my ear here. So, yeah. so the beard is going to mask me growing them back. And then when I'm satisfied with the sideburnage that's returned, yeah. then I can, that's my cue to shave the beard off if I like. Okay. All right. And what if you end up liking the beard though? Well, then I'll keep it. I mean, I, it's a win-win situation. You can't, right. you can't lose there. So. Yeah. 
What were you going to say, Brandon? I was going to say, maybe a shower mirror would be the best option. <laughs> going forward. F- yeah. D- okay, am I the only one who shaves in the shower, or is that... Have you seen me, Dave? I don't. Re- I, I don't really. Oh yeah, shave. you guys. You guys are yeah. both beauty boys. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. But I'll put it in the Discord. If you guys shave your faces, uh, do you ever shave in the shower? Is that just a, a crazy thing that I'm doing? I know people who do shave in the shower, and if I shaved my entire face ever in my life since I was like 13, uh, I would probably shave in the shower. But I shave pretty much once to twice a week and i just shave like i just trim up the top above the corners of my like the edges of my beard on my cheeks because it grows there but it doesn't grow in real full and i don't want to just like have it you know looking all goofy also i got this i think you do too dave these spots nobody can really see but underneath my bottom lip to the left and right like not not directly in the center in the center it grows really well but on the left and right it doesn't really grow there i have like a natural I would have a crazy good soul patch if I grew a soul patch, if I was <laughs> a douche. A, it, yeah, you've got the perfect sort of flanking baldness. Mine does grow. You can't see it here because it's blonde, but yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I can, I can definitely see. Yeah, my, mine grows there, but it's not like, well, you know, frankly, I've just been shaving that for so long. It might grow in, who knows? I don't know how long, how, it's, how it would be. Hmm. Anyway, this it's is a, a classic podcast. horseshoe pattern. Yes, <laughs> that, that's what I like to refer to it as. This is a show all about video games. And uh, it's called the HP Podcast. <laughs> and if you've been listening this long already, we appreciate you. If you want to help support the show, you can go over to patreon.com, support us for as little, uh, patreon.com slash handsome phantom. Support us for as little as a dollar a month. That's like less than a quarter an episode when you really average it out. And uh, it gets you ad free early access, but really it just helps support us. Uh, this week, Brandon had the idea that this month, the, um, uh, the Patreon is actually going to support buying a new tombstone for phil since yeah. he's not yeah like like he's been gone so long we have to assume he's dead. yeah i figure it was like an in memoriam at at worst we could just have like a cross that has his name on it um, well yeah we, made we, of wood we don't make that much on patreon yeah no exactly yeah. i'm thinking yeah maybe popsicle sticks we could just go down to michael's and yeah you know oh, there, nice. there are there are rumors however that he was he was seen he was spotted uh, puking and pooping in a pool in Cancun. <laughs> <laughs> we got a message from Phil today. He's in Cancun and he was uh, evacuated from two different pools in a matter of 30 minutes because someone puked in one and pooped in another. Wow. So excellent. That's what he gets for not coming to the podcast for six months. Yeah. I don't even know why we talk about him anymore because other than the fact that people sometimes ask about him, he's still there in our hearts. Even though he's gone, he's passed on. Yeah. So anyway, the tombstone, we'll we'll send you guys a picture of it once we pick it out. Uh, We will have to forgo paying for our uh, monthly uh, web hosting service so we can buy that. But it's okay. We can we can afford it. We can we can make it work. Also, hang on the discord. We talk in there sometimes. Sometimes weird stuff gets said. Uh, Sometimes completely normal stuff gets said, but mostly it's the weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's the stuff that sticks with you the most. That's right. That's right. Boys, let's talk about some video game related stuff. And I want to specifically, I want to start out, we used to do this more frequently, but I want to start out uh, talking about Game Pass titles because there's not a whole lot of news this week. So I thought this would be fun. It's the beginning of a new month. That reminds me, I need to record the credits after the show. Uh, It's the beginning of a new month and uh, we might as well talk about some of the games that are coming to and leaving Game Pass. Let's start with the games leaving, first of all. How's that sound? Yeah. Okay, cool. Games... Leaving Game Pass on March 15th. We have Nier Automata. Finally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is one that was funny because when it got added to Game Pass, I was like, oh, nice. I'll play it on PC or on on, uh, Xbox now and I'll get all the achievements for it on there. Clearly, I never did that (laughs) because I'm a real gamer and real gamers never get around to things. Now, we know how Brandon feels about Nier, specifically Nier Automata. But Dave, I don't think you've ever offered any kind of opinion i know you haven't played it but you've never offered an opinion on it one way or the other could, could you please let me know why it is that you have not played near automata uh shortly after i started hanging out with you you guys at handsome phantom uh i think i caught wind of like this argument between dustin and phil about phil i don't know if he hadn't played near or something um but it was at a time when like you guys were like really big on the game and it was like your game of the year, like 2017 or something like that. Yes, it was uh, Handsome Phantom game of the year 2017. That's correct. And I never 
had any experience with the series and I just decided to dodge any conversation where it came up because I didn't want to be gaslighted by Dustin <laughs> specifically because he does that. <laughs> yeah, um, he does. So yeah, I just kind of slowly back out of any conversation surrounding Nier. Uh, and I'm so ignorant to the series that I didn't know until a minute ago that it was on Game Pass. Uh, it's it's one of those games I've always wanted to to see what all the fuss is about. But my 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 hesitation is that like you have to play it like four times to see all the endings, or else you're not really seeing everything. Oh my so god, crazy like that? No. First no? of all, let's get the facts straight. It was Brandon and Dustin arguing about the game because okay, Phil has always sorry. loved it, along with Dustin and I. Once I played it, it was a couple months after it came out until I played it. Or maybe even slightly longer than that. I don't know. It was after I was told to play it. Second of all, Nier Automata, you have to play multiple endings, but it is not the same. Now, the previous game to it that they ended up re-releasing or remastering, redoing, uh, Nier Replicant, there, you do have to actually play substantial portions of the game multiple times. But with Nier Automata, you really you play the entire game essentially twice through, but from different perspectives. So you're not really playing the same game. And then you play as different characters. Um, if you don't play through all of it, in my opinion, like it is one of those games that honestly, if you played the first, just the first part of it and didn't keep going and you hated it, I would be like, yeah, fair. Uh, if you played all of the parts and still hated it, I would be like, I trust you less now, but okay, something different <laughs> for everybody. But it is, yeah, it, it's not a game where you're like playing the same thing over and over, but that is the perception. Okay. okay. Now, now, Dave, uh, the next thing I'm going to ask you is when are you going to play Nier Automata? Well, I guess I got to do that before March 15th, before it leaves Game Pass. Yeah, um, it's only like 25, 30 hours. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got time to fit that in right now. Yeah, um, no problem. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something I want to check out. And I'm sure even if I if I don't get to it before March 15th, it's it's not a game that's going to break the bank. So I will, I will um, for you and myself... Uh, I will. I will give it a shot. I will. De- I co- I'll commit to to getting on that train. I'll now, say that right now, if you don't get around to it before March fifteenth, and that's understandable if you don't. Uh, no, wait. You only have a. You only have a. Di- you have a discless console. I was going to say we'd make Edwin Castillo send you one of his twelve copies uh, <laughs> in the mail, and you could play it. But it might just be easier for him to buy you one on Amazon or something. He will. Okay. He well. will too. That's the, <laughs> that's the god honest <laughs> truth. No, and to. And to be completely clear, um, my complaint with the game is that um, nobody shuts the fuck up about it um, more than actually not liking the game. Um, so that was kind of the crux of the whole uh, scenario. But um, he's not wrong. I mean, I can't really fault him for it. But yeah, good riddance. Other games leaving Game Pass on March 15th. Fogs? Pogs? I don't know. Torchlight 3, which is funny because I was excited for Torchlight 3, and it's not only come out, gone on to Game Pass, but is now also leaving Game Pass before I ever even knew it existed. It must not have done well. It must not have. I don't know. Maybe. Torchlight 2 was crazy good. Yeah, I played Torchlight 2 on Mac, yeah. actually, really weirdly enough. Yeah, I think I might. No, I think it was on PC, but either way. And The Surge 2 is also leaving. But coming to Game Pass... We've got Far Changing Tides. That's is a game that's coming out um, day one, essentially, on Game Pass. I think it's today. Yeah, it's, it's out today on Game Pass. Uh, that is, it is a puzzle game, I think. Yeah, it looks like it's a puzzle game. I don't know. I might give it a shot. It's, hey, it's included with Game Pass. I'm not paying for it. I'll, I'll try it. Microsoft Flight Simulator, it recently came to Xbox. Now it is coming to Cloud as well, which will be great because I can the 150 gig it takes up that I, d- and I never play it, I can now delete it. And if I decide I want to play it, play it in cloud. So that's really nice. And then coming soon, we've got Final Fantasy 13 Lightning Returns, Kentucky Route Zero, Lawn Mowing Simulator, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Dude. Yeah. Guardians. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, wait. Young Souls as well. That's, that's also coming. Okay. okay. Guardians is actually really big. If anybody has an Xbox and has not checked this out yet, give it a go. Yeah. Very, very good. Um, I even went into it not really interested in the game at all. Yeah. Um, I talked about this probably about a month ago now. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad it's coming late, um, but better than never. So 100% check it out. Um, it won, what, Best Narrative at the Game Awards? I think so. it was Best Narrative, yeah. Yeah. 
it is a game that I was not interested in playing at first. And then it came out and my buddy Locke actually was like, check your Steam account. And I looked and he had sent me a gift copy of it because he was insistent that I play it because he knows how much I love Marvel. What a guy. And uh, so I played it and absolutely loved it. It might, Honestly, it might have been my game of the year last year. It's really tough to put it and Hitman 3 next to each other and decide. Uh, but I really, really enjoyed it. And I, they did put out a thing recently saying it was um, it underperformed. But they've said that about like all their games. Isn't Square, that Square? Square Enix? Yeah. Dude, yeah, yeah. Square Square's never happy. If it's not Japanese, they pretty much say it underperforms, and even sometimes then. But, like, they said Resident Evil 7 underperformed, and I think it sold, like, 15 million copies. I, I might be totally wrong on that number. Ah, damn. It definitely outsold all of their other ones combined, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Now, Dave, uh, Lawn Mowing Simulator. That game's ass. When are you going <laughs> to... Is it bad? Hey. No, it's great. It's no. Honestly, that was high on my list of the games that were coming <laughs> no, to No, 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 listen. Listen, if you want to actually take the time to figure out the mechanics that are incredibly janky. No, they're not. That is some bullshit. <laughs> Literally, it's like one of those games that like, if you were genuinely interested and spent all of the time it took to actually get good at it, you might find some enjoyment in it. But as a casual, Dave, not you, but in general, if you're thinking about casually going into this, I picked that up for like five minutes and was like, I not only don't know what's going on, but I don't enjoy what I'm doing. And I fucking prompt. lawnmower. How how convoluted did they make it? Dude, I played lawn mowing simulator for like ten hours. I'm not gonna say if I was under the influence of anything or not. Dude. And it was You're great. Fucked. You are I fucked. I had no problems with it. What you are fucked. Lawn mowing simulator is now this is the hill I'm gonna die on. This is my new near. Dave, you need to play lawn you, mowing simulator. <laughs> Dave, on that note. I'm sending you a copy of Nier, man. <laughs> I gotta I gotta shift the eye back towards Nier so that way at least it's a quality game. So <laughs> No, I will say Lawn Mowing Simulator, while boring as hell, is honestly there was a there were like nights where I was like having trouble sleeping and I popped on Lawn Mowing Simulator and a movie and played while I was watching and I was like Promptly this is sleeping. pretty chill, and I fell asleep, yeah. It'll, no, it'll, it'll make you sleep, though. Dave. If, you, if you're having trouble sleeping, just pop that on. In fact, my PCP recommended it to me. Just a couple <laughs> hours of lawnmower simulator a night, and I've been sleeping like a baby. It's so boring. Now, Dave, have you? are you... I don't know about you, but I, I, you know those, like, uh, those gifts where they, like, perfectly... I don't know, like the um, power washing Reddit, subreddits, and... Stuff like that, where you like see something gradually go away, and it's very sad, oddly satisfying. That's what it is. I feel like Lawnmower Simulator is the video game version of the subreddit, oddly satisfying. Yeah, that's uh, that's fair. I think based on what I've seen, I, I I know where you're coming from there. All right, well, good. We're good to go. Guardians of the Galaxy. Anybody, Dave? Yeah, you absolutely. That was okay. that was on. I, I and I feel guilty because uh, I know that game underperformed, and I know that game. I don't or know sorry, if it really did or not. Reportedly underperformed. Yeah. Um, but it, it was a game I was looking forward to actually picking up and, and, and buying eventually. And I know they still get credit from stuff on Game Pass. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if, I, if I've if i got time for it, I'm definitely going to gonna play it. You guys have talked about it so highly and, and a lot of people in the industry have. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, I hope this is an opportunity for people to, who maybe shied away from it, you know, like myself are able to jump in and see what a great game it is and and uh you know pick up more of these narrative focused marvel games or just games in general at launch rather than saying oh, it's not worth it so yeah um yeah that'll definitely be one for me it was definitely a genuine surprise for me yeah i think it was for most people yeah also with this month is coming a uh, a new app or a new update for the pc app now a lot of people shit on the pc app and they're all wrong or they don't know how to work their computer i think the the app on pc is not perfect but it's certainly not as bad as a lot of people claim anyway they're adding the ability to choose which folder your games get installed to which is nice because used to you could only choose the hard drive um and then you know, ability to mod mod some more games uh which will be cool even though i'm not someone who will utilize that probably very much but people who do it'll be good for them I think that's all we have for Game Pass stuff. Let's uh, let's move to the other side of the console wars. We're an equal opportunity podcast here uh, and talk about PlayStation Plus games for March. And these are some we have a little bit of experience with, too. Some bangers. And some bangers in here. Uh, starting today, 
which is Tuesday, March 1st, uh, these games will be available. Ghost of Tsushima Legends, Ghost Runner, Team Sonic Racing, and Ark Survival Evolved. Now, let's start out with the ones I don't think any of us have played. Team Sonic Racing. No. No. Okay. No. Moving on. Uh, Ark Survival Evolved. Dave, you don't, you've never played this one, but I think Brandon did. Yeah, yeah. I, I probably sunk like 30, 40 hours into that game. Excuse me, what? Yeah. I didn't realize it was that extensive. I didn't, Brandon, I didn't realize your depression had gotten quite that bad yet. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's, it, it's, it's a survival game, right? Yeah. And yeah. you get to ride around dinos. So I had my fun with it in single player for a while, but it's just not the same. Um, mm-hmm. This sort of game thrives on a high, um, high tech graphics card. As oh, far okay. as I'm concerned, uh, there's a lot going on at once. Um, and my PS4 absolutely struggled to keep up with every single moment. Um, I think the PS5 version is way better, but I'd, I'd recommend it for anyone interested in like the survival type game. You get to tame dinos, and it's very much like, I don't want to say it's like Rust, but it kind of is. Like, you have bases, and I think you're always kind of online. You yeah. know what I mean? That sort of thing. So okay. it's really cool. Best played with people, though. Um, 100%. Uh, and it at this point, it'd be kind of hard coming in as a newcomer, if you ask me. I know when I came in, like, literally years ago at this point, um, trying to join a server was hellish. <laughs> um, so I ended up opting for the single player. But the game is really fun overall. Um, and I guess if you're even slightly interested in Arc 2 coming out with Vin Diesel, <laughs> um, then maybe you'd want to check this out uh, with no entry barrier. So, Sorry, my... Um that that guttural reaction I had there of the, the laughter. Yeah, to, yeah I, thinking about that, I forgot about that trailer with Vin Diesel in it. I think everybody but Vin Diesel had that reaction to the trailer. I so. think that might be true. Yeah. Now, Dave, you played Ghost, right? I did. Yeah, and did I you, am. Did you like Legends? Uh, I did, and I, I I don't know a whole lot of people who are excited about this because Legends was. Um, was free with the game and it was like a free update yes. this isn't even that long ago and i'm forgetting For so do you guys know anybody who didn't get ghosts at launch close to uh i probably do no i i don't personally and i, I and this is why i sighed here and i was like oh yeah but wasn't that free with the game so i, I it's it, a great mode and i don't know how many people are gonna you know play legends and then go and get the full game because they haven't gotten already because yeah, I, I just don't know anybody who hasn't played this yet. Yeah, but. I, Dave, I think it was free for a while. There okay, was so. there was like a timed thing when it first came out that you can get it for free, yeah. and then I think after that it was for purchase. It was all the rage there for like three weeks. It's huge. Yeah, and yeah. Then they I had the, the raid and all that stuff, and it's, yeah. I yeah. I have a couple friends that are really really into it. I cannot personally get into it. We went hard on it for a little while there. Yeah. It just, uh, the long short of it is that games like Dark Souls are fun because I can hack and slash at a monster and it feels satisfying and I could watch its health bar go down. I feel like the hard things that you do in Ghost Legends are not only not satisfying, but I slash this enemy like 30 times and it doesn't die and it takes a literal hour and a half to do one thing. So that combined with everything there just isn't much for me there personally. Um, the non end game stuff is fun because it's easier. Yeah. Um, but it still also takes like 20 to 30 minutes. It's just, there's something slightly off about legends in general. Um, it was fun for like Dave said a couple weeks for me, but after the initial excitement of the game wore off, the game is best played in, in, uh, in campaign. If you ask me, I don't, I don't think that it has issues transferring over into multiplayer, but for me personally, it does. So. I do. I do wonder though if if this is an attempt by Sony to maybe maybe reinvigorate, me recapture some of the uh, the community, and uh, maybe we're going to get some new content later this year. Maybe there's going to be a bit of a shadow drop, and we're going to see some new either Legends content, a new raid or something like that. But I just kind of, I look at the timing and it was sort of like a bonus tack on to the to the PlayStation Plus stuff because normally there's three and this makes four. So yeah, I'm maybe maybe this 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 is going to lead to something, some new content for the game. Well, that's kind of what I was going to get at was, you know, do we expect to see, I know we're, we're potentially looking at a, 
I think a Netflix series or some sort of series or movie at some point with Ghost. And Legends, for what it was, I thought was a lot of fun. And it was a free edition, at least, you know, initially. I don't I don't remember that it went um, paid after that. I thought they made it so it was paid if you didn't have the game. But Brandon might be totally right there. Uh, but I definitely thought it was a lot of fun. Now, I, I played it for a while and then never went back to it. And I wish I had because it was... It was great, but there's a lot of people who probably have not played the game who might who might play this and then be interested in the sequel. Uh, it, it at least like it, I'm sure that nobody's buying it anymore. So it's at very least easy for them to give it away because it's first party. They're already probably not making any money off of it. They can just make some extra buy, or they can make some extra um, notoriety for their game and get people maybe to understand the game that didn't, but I think it's a win either way. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, like you said, it was kind of a bonus add on and I, why not? To be honest with you boys, I actually kind of have the gut feeling that it's the opposite of some new stuff coming. I feel like Icky Island uh-huh. came and went. It did, mm-hmm. but it was well received. I'm not saying it wasn't, yeah. but I'm saying, I wonder if everyone loved the base experience so much and Icky Island was more of that, and it was great from what everyone says, but I wonder if it wasn't quite performing, and maybe that's why they're doing it. That's what, di- I, that's what I think. But Yeah, and you you know what, Brandon, I, I'm, I'm remembering back to when, the, I, I can't remember if it was like August or something, but um, I was actually thinking about this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the, the um, Horizon stuff around like the PS4 and the PS5 version and... You could save 10 bucks if you bought one, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And I thought back to, do you guys remember when Ghost was, it had its next gen upgrade and it was around the same time that Icky Island was coming out. And there was mm-hmm. the same sort of like confusion around how this upgrade was supposed to work. Right. And it was one of the most confusing things. So I'm wondering if that confusion just kind of killed Icky, but you, you're totally like, right, Brandon. When this was announced, it was, it was, it was huge it was great people were so looking forward to it and then it came out and it just kind of came and went as you said so um it'll be interesting to see if something does happen but yeah i mean i i i can see where you're coming from there yeah but also ben hasn't mentioned it yet but i'm going to ghost runner yes sir it was next on the list check it the fuck out because i played this game on ps4 and it was amazing i played it on ps5 because they've recently come up with the ps5 upgrade that was free even better. Pure 60 frames a second. If you have the capability to do 120 hertz, do it, because I think the performance mode will allow it. I really want to see it in 120. Uh, my my TV does not allow it. It only does 60, but I bet you this game would be absolutely perfect at 120, especially because it's so dependent on you being quick and yes. snappy and consistent so i think it'd really shine in a game like this um i reviewed it on pc when it when it came out and i'm trying to remember if i gave it a eight or a nine i think it was a nine now not that review scores mean a ton but tells you what i thought of it at least uh i thought it was amazing it's an awesome game uh it's short too it's not terribly long like what 15 hours at most probably Depends on how it's also very skill based on how long. It's yeah, like, yeah, you know, it is. It's it's definitely a difficult game as well. Yeah, so. it, it it'll fulfill that soul's itch if you have one that you can't seem to find anything else to fill it right now. I right. don't know what there would be that would uh, help you out there, but it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely like Souls Light. I would say, um, in in some respect, it's very it's a lot of platforming and stuff like that. But yeah, I feel like a lot of the combat is very um, a lot of blocking and parrying and yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it has that very much keep tacking away at your skill set, keep doing it over and over again and practicing and getting better at this fine motor skill. It has that yeah. as far as that goes. Yeah. So. Dave, I would highly recommend it to you. I think you would enjoy it. I remember both of you vividly playing it uh, in Boston just about two years ago. Last oh, week. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no. It was really cool. 3D Realms too, so. Yes, they helped on it. I don't think they fully did it, but they definitely helped on it. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, 
the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, PlayStation Plus, available now. Download them, or at least purchase them or whatever it is. It is nice when the PS Plus games come out on the first of the month, isn't it? It really so, is. Yeah, Normally, it's like the fourth or the fifth or something. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, go get them now. Yeah. All right, new story. This comes from GamerBraves.com. Super Smash Brothers won't be at EVO 2022. The organizers, quote, the organizers for Evolution Championship Series, Evo, have announced that Super Smash Brothers won't be joining the lineup for Evo 22, ahead of them announcing the main lineups for the tournament. Quote, since 2007, we've been, we've seen historic Super Smash Brothers created at Evo's events, they said in a statement. We are saddened that Nintendo has chosen not to continue that legacy with us this year. From the statement, it's clear that the decision to exclude Smash Brothers from 2002 Evo has come from Nintendo not to allow their game to be featured at this year's event, and no specific reason was given. Fans had been speculating that this would be the case ever since Evo was partially owned, was partially this is partially owned, partially purchased. Despite this, however, their initial statement upon purchasing the fighting game tournament series was that they would maintain the multi-platform approach of the tournament's games. It should be noted, though, that Nintendo is launching its own esports circuit for both Super Smash Bros. Ultimate and the much older Melee in North America, which might explain the parting from Evo. Now, it's no secret that Evo has had some issues with, specifically the Smash community has had some issues in the past with uh accusations of impropriety and all sorts of stuff from their, their different competitors. Uh, that was my initial thought that maybe that would have something to do with it. And it would certainly be understandable if Nintendo doesn't want to be continue to be in that miry mess of, you know, stuff. they're a family company, right? They don't want to be <laughs> really? associated with garbage. But yeah. um, what do you think about the prospect of Nintendo bringing a tournament series to the world? Brandon? I don't, I'm not against the idea. Yeah. But what I do like is the idea of an event. The idea of an all-encompassing fighting event. Uh I love the idea of that. And it's been so lovely for so many years to be able to watch these different companies have their games be put through the ringer of some of the best players in the game. And I think whenever Nintendo kind of separates themselves from that, now certainly you could watch both. But I don't know. There was something magical about having all of these competitors for different games be in one place and just be able to consume that all at once. Um, And I think something slightly is going to be lost for me whenever we start splitting everything up into different different shows. Um, I don't think it's the worst thing to happen. Um, And I didn't even realize that they were doing this. Yeah, Um, it's not surprising, but. Yeah, I don't know. I just I just like the way it was and not for the sake of it being the way it was, but it was just cool having all of it in one place. Sure. So, Dave, do you think the response, the desire to make their own circuit comes from any of the controversy or do you think Nintendo is just smart enough to realize, hey, we could do this and make more money ourselves? Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about it quite a bit in the last couple of weeks about Nintendo's desire to make as much money hand over fist as humanly possible. So Mm. this sounds like a business decision to me. Um, I don't know if like Activision owns whatever league that Call of Duty gets played in. I don't Uh, know the name of the league either, but the Call of Duty League, I think. Is it just Call of Duty League? Yeah, I think. I, so the, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're a part of that, yeah. I have to assume that Activision owns that. So I'm wondering if this is going to become more of a, a, a common thing to happen in the industry where some of the bigger companies just, just run their own tournaments because they can make the most money and have the most control. But, um, you know, they can they confront it as this is a, um, an ethics decision, but really it's Nintendo. This is, this is about money. Right. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. It always is with Nintendo. Who knows? Uh, I have watched bits and pieces of different Evo, you know, coverage in the past and always really enjoyed it, but I I can't get over the fact that anytime I watch a competition, I like to like envision myself there. Like 
maybe that's part of why I don't like watching like uh, tennis or soccer. I just can't envision myself playing those sports ever. Right. Uh, I just don't enjoy them. And so, but it's funny because I, I watch Evo and I'm like, this is, these are some like, this is some skill I'm seeing here. I know I'll never be able to do this. And it's kind of depressing to me. <laughs> but Brandon, you're, you're a fighting game guy, right? Like you, you enjoy the fighting games. Do you think you're anywhere near competitive level? Oh, absolutely. The fuck not. <laughs> Um, I will humble myself real quick as far as that goes. There are very few things I could play on a competitive level and even be able to tip my hat to most of the people that are out there. Um, As far as competitive years go, I'm way past my prime. Um, And that's the truth, too, (laughs) is, is, you know, um, uh, late teens, early 20s, up into almost 30, you're really solid with your coordination and what a lot of people find maybe just mostly in Call of Duty, but after that, it tends to get a little bit slower, with some exceptions. Sure. I'm not saying things can't be honed, but yeah, I'm past my prime, um, and as far as Mortal Kombat and Smash go, almost anyone can kick my ass, as far as I'm concerned. Um, So, not this year, maybe next year. We'll we'll get them next year. One uh, game I recently came across, because I, I met someone who works on the game, uh, is Skullgirls. And I was watching a little bit of Skullgirls. Oh, yeah. yeah. I did not realize it's actually, like, I I mean, not not to say, like, it's not a good game. I didn't realize it was, like, a lot of skill in that game. It's It looks tough. Yeah. It looks really good. And some of the players I've seen, and I've not watched a ton of it, but some of the stuff I've seen from that is really good. Dave, have you ever checked out Skullgirls? Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of the game, and it's I'm, I'm the same as you. I didn't realize that it was that, it was that competitive, but uh, you never know what's going what's gonna to hit off in these competitive scenes. Yeah, exactly. It seems a lot of times like these um, fighting games are just like so hit and miss. It's either amazing and it takes off, or it prospers forever with no one knowing about it but people are still playing it and that seems to be like what Skullgirls is um not to say that maybe maybe there isn't a huge audience that knows about it but it seems like it's a really vibrant scene but it's been around for a while and i haven't like i I don't ever hear about it i think Uh, that also there's like something to be said for like but but like no fighting game is just totally maybe nickelodeon all-stars but other than that (laughs) well yeah there's also like the eastern and western influence of True. these type of games. Yeah. I mean, games like Blaze Blue yeah. are played in the U.S., but have a much bigger following in other parts of the world. Um, so That's a valid point, for sure. All right, let's see here. I think that's uh, all the news, except for the fact, and we'll roll this right into our What Have We Been Playing segment here. This comes from gamesindustry.biz. Elden Ring is the fastest-selling Souls game so far. Ooh, physical sales alone. See it eclipse Dark Souls 3 by 26%. Uh, Gamesindustry.biz says, quote, Elden Ring is the number one in the GFK UK. I don't know what GFK means. UK box charts this week and has launched the, and has smashed the launch sales of previous Souls-like games. Elden Ring is completely new IP by Japanese developer from software. The studio is famous for its challenging action RPG. We already know all this. The previous biggest Souls game launch at boxed retail was 2016's Dark Souls 3. But Elden Ring has beaten that title's box launch by 26%. This is before we consider digital sales and the downloaded games market has accelerated significantly since 2016. Digital sales data will arrive later in the week. It is the third biggest retail launch of the year, which, by the way, we're only just now in March. uh, And that includes Pokemon Legends Arceus and Horizon Forbidden West. Um, Interestingly, this is interesting to me, 63% of box sales were on PS5. 17% 17% on Xbox, 17% on PS4, and 3% on PC. That should be noted that obviously PC is not going to be box sales very much. But as far as the difference between PS5 and Xbox and PS4, 63% on PS5 versus 17% on PS4. Like, I thought we had a shortage of PS5s. I think that... The, that a lot of people have their hands on them. But, I think so too. But the demand is so high that it still seems that way. Right. Because even though every day the player base goes up, that player base is probably increasing by the day. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. I think we're running into that problem now where it still is difficult to get, but 
it's not as difficult as it was. And, sure. we, and, and, you know, we've talked about this before. I do find it interesting that the numbers are so different. They're very different. Um, yeah. And that, assumedly, based on this, that it didn't break it down by either Xbox, because I guess it doesn't make a difference here, um, but the, the PS4 sold as much as the Xbox did. You know, that's a good point that it doesn't break it down because... Wait, did it did it come out on Xbox One? The S, assumedly. It did, yeah. Yeah. On on, on Xbox One, not the S. Mm, that's actually a good question. I don't know if it, it I don't know. Dave, that it are you did. saying it did? I I thought it came out on all consoles. Okay. All you know, next gen, current gen. Okay. Um, hmm. But <laughs> Nintendo Switch port TBD. Oh my god, dude! Please don't don't even. That's where Dave will play. Don't yeah. even don't even joke about that. So before we get into, I want to have you guys actually spend a little time talking about Elden Ring, um, but because I haven't played it yet, but I want to. Uh, it, I'll get there eventually. But before we do that, I want to talk about like what do you think is leading to the success of the game selling so well? Uh, I'll say I think it's probably a combination of first of all it's reviewed really really well, but there was clearly clearly hype, lots of hype before this. Uh, is it due to the success of the series and just have more people have had time to play it? You know they remastered uh, uh, what was it Dark Souls? No, not Dark Souls. Um, Demon Souls. Demon Souls on PS5 earlier last year, uh, or that was even two years ago I guess technically. Or what was it, Dave? What do you, what do you think? Why is Elden Ring skyrocketing right now? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think they've just kind of handled the um, the marketing of this ga- game from day one really, really well. Um, you know, it it's it was originally announced with George R. R. Martin being attached to the project, and that's you know you can argue what that actually meant from a material standpoint in the end product, but I mean that got a lot of people on board, and it wasn't a. Uh, an obscene amount of time after that we started to see gameplay and they just they just the intervals in between content that they actually drip fed the fans were were good and i think it, it kept people satiated and and then you know we we finally got up to to launch and and the reviews obviously <laughs> uh anytime a game I, I keep thinking to the accolade image that bandai namco released last friday and I, I've never seen that many perfect scores on one accolade image before. <laughs> no, and yeah. any I, I don't know if a game is ever reviewed this well. Um, so anytime something like that happens, it's going to get people's attention. This is a hardcore game for hardcore audiences. We talk about you know the next gen sales numbers. Hardcore gamers have next gen consoles, and they are playing this game. It's just it's it's for that that kind of gamer. So. Um, you know, this is really uh, a game that 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 hardcore sort of sect of, of gamers is going to get day one. And everybody wants to be part of like the discovery that this game has. The longer that you wait, the more that's going to get spoiled for you. And you're not going to be among the first people in the world to beat, you know, this boss or the game or whatever it might be. So I think that has a that discovery aspect has a big um, a large part of how quickly it's sold as well. Um, but I mean, I'd be curious to see which one actually comes out on top in terms of the most sold game in, uh, in, of all of the Soulsborne games. So I'm sure it'll be this one just cause it seems like every game is more popular than the last, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not surprising. And, um, this is, this is going to be a lot of people's game of the year. I'm, yeah. I'm sure of that. I'm yeah. positive. So. Definitely. Brandon, we saw insane twitch we've been seeing twitch numbers break the ne- the last record constantly like this game came out and wow most viewers on twitch they broke the record from this last game that came out right, whatever right do you think what do you think has led to the success of not only a ton of people buying the game but a, a ton of people streaming and watching the game too right um I think it's a mixture of a couple different things. Um, As I said earlier, I think gamers keep increasing in numbers every day. Our numbers rise. Gamers, our numbers. Um, But along with Twitch, along with everything, I mean, I agree with Dave. I think they did do a swell job of presenting the game beforehand. I think the network test was pretty integral to that. Having a functioning, um, you know, for better or for worse, it's still a network test, but having a functioning game that people can get their hands on and be excited about, um, it's a lot different than when, you know, Battlefield 2042 puts out something and everyone's hating it. You know what I right, mean? Right. It's just a different, 
a different go at it. Um, but I think since 2016, um, Dark Souls slash Demon Souls has been a series that has slowly and progressively ramped up for years and years now. Um, I think Dark Souls holds most of the player base. Um, the only thing that even compares, as far as I'm concerned, is Bloodborne. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure we'll get another iteration of at some point. But I think 2016 hits, right? Dark Souls 3 does really well. I don't know the numbers, but I know they were good. Yeah. Um, you got a little bit of time. Um, Sekiro comes out, right? Everyone loves it. It's a great game, but it's not quite Dark Souls. And that's the sure. same. And neither is Elden Ring. I want to be clear by that. But these games feel differently. Sekiro plays very differently than a Souls game. Right. It plays the same, but different. If you played the game, you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So I've been waiting for this return to form. And I think a lot of people have been feeling that way. Um, you know, Demon Souls came out. And even though it kind of brought us back a little bit, it's an old game, ultimately, sure. right? It looks good. It plays great. It's a great game. Was a great game back in the day. But this is new. This is refreshing. This is a new take on something that has been honed for years and was enjoyed by everyone at the time. And people wanted the Souls-like experience again. And they've just taken that and ramped it up tenfold. Right. I mean, they really have. Um, so I think all of those things combined have really led to a very successful launch for them. And I'm not surprised um, playing the game has really been a treat for me. It's been very aggravating um, because of the type of game um, it is. It's very difficult, but I think uh, a mixture of fans enjoying the series and many years of progressing the formula have really helped them to hit this one out of the park. Well, not to mention if every podcast blog and uh, Twitter is to be believed, it's, the dark souls of zelda so yeah yeah, yeah no i mean i i could definitely get the comparisons um <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's but, just the open worldness right just sorry there's one thing i want to add because i i i think it's related to the the speed in which it's sold but i think it's something that brandon you and i are probably going to talk about once we get into that part but this narrative that came out after the review started to drop and i think it even it came out uh, you know, a few weeks back, there was an article from Miyazaki or something about um, the the difficulty level of this game relative to other games in the series. And um, I think Miyazaki actually said, like, I, I don't know if it was misconstrued or something, but it, it was something along the lines is, yes, this is a a relatively easy game compared to the others. And then the reviews come out, and I heard a lot of reviews where people were using the words approachable and accessible incorrectly. I think they were using that oh, word. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's another reason maybe maybe why this game is selling quicker than any of the others is, is maybe people think this is the launching point um, for them to get into the, these games. I've played halfway through Bloodborne. I played a bit of Dark Souls 3. I beat Demon Souls. But I've been kind of – I've shied away from these games a lot. And, and I think maybe a lot of people were in the position maybe I was where they were like, okay, maybe this is a really good place to start. Whether that was actually true or not, that this is the most approachable game in the series is, I think, something that we can have a bit of discourse over. But I definitely think that might have something to do with this game selling so quickly. Yeah. And let me just piggyback off that, Dave. I would say they have, they have made strides towards things being more accessible. And I don't want to give off the wrong impression that this is an easy game because it's very much still a very difficult game. But the reason that it's easier is not, it's not a traditional way of being easy. See, Dark Souls games in the past, right, are a straight line for the most part. And once you've stopped on that line and you, you're having an issue getting forward, you're going to keep banging your head on where you stop over and over it's, it's and a over. Simple, like the only over. choice is to get good, right? Right, right. <laughs> so this game isn't, traditionally easier it is giving you more options so i just talked about this with dustin earlier getting really frustrated with one part the best thing you could do in this game just hop to another area level up a bit maybe the other area will be a little bit easier but the point is is that you don't have to keep it's non-traditionally easier it isn't it isn't that the enemies are easier to kill or that you know they don't hit as much it's just there's more options and that's one of the positivities that an open world game brings that these games have never had before yeah and i i i totally agree with you it it definitely seems like the game is is i don't i don't i don't think it's it's not as simple as is what some of 
some people have been saying where yes it's the easiest game because i've seen a lot of people saying it's it's the hardest game and a lot of people have they're listing it like towards the top of the hardest games um i'm only about 10 hours in but uh i've i i can safely say at this point that i think it is one of the harder games in the series that i've played and again my my experience is limited but what to what you said, Brandon, it clearly gives you more resources and tools to succeed. Right. But it's still up to you to use those effectively. So, yeah, like you said, you have the approachability where if you hit a wall and everybody knows what that first wall in the game is, is Margaret the Fell Omen, and you have six or seven different places that you can reasonably turn to to get better, to hone your skills, to try out different approaches, to try out different builds get magic, whatever it might be. You have the Ashes of War, which are summable companions that you can bring anytime to any fight. Like These are things that didn't exist uh, to that extent in some of the other games in the series. But I feel like the the bosses and the different challenges that they bring, and even just the enemies that are, that are running around the world, are like they test you like you have to use like a reasonable strategy to get past them so i don't think it's as simple to say whether it's easy or it's harder but it's just like there are more tools for you to succeed and it's it's just you know there's different ways to go about actually getting good rather than just banging your head against a wall until you figure it out like the game's not like that anymore so in that way it's approachable but it's still a a a fucking hard game (laughs) yeah Yeah, it really is. I'm about 30 hours in, and there's been a couple times um, that I've had to kind of just stop <laughs> and relax for a minute. But as you said, Dave, I mean, ultimately, anytime I felt that that fatigue, I've tried something over and over. Um, the best thing has been to just go do something else for a little bit and not even just like in real life, like in the game, in the game. Yeah. So, Dave, um, one of your New Year's gaming resolutions was to beat the game without consulting a guide have you succeeded thus far no no (laughs) (laughs) so i'm I'm not i haven't used a guide per se but um i i uh i i've i've gone on the internet and just kind of looked for tips and like like margaret is an example i'm just like i'm i need help here i don't need the whole strategy on what to do but just i need some tips on this or uh you know there's i know there's a place i can go to find this um, I don't want to spend all this time searching the world for it. Like I, I, and so I would just search for little things here and there, but yeah, I, I failed that resolution pretty quick and I've, I've modified it slightly. And I just, my, my modified resolution for this year is just to beat Elden Ring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I actually had uh, we'll get back to Elden Ring here in a second, but on, um, I was playing Horizon Forbidden, Forbidden West and I got to this one puzzle and I just could not figure out where, what the next thing to do was. And I literally went on and typed in, you know, the name of that area and looked up a guide and I like read the first sentence. It was like, I'm just making this up, go around to the left. And, and I just stopped there and I was like, okay, I hadn't tried that yet. Like, I don't, I just want to like get the initial prompt (laughs) of like what the next thing is that I need to do. And then I'll figure it out from there. And that's the only time I've had to do that. Right. So I definitely sympathize with your, you know, getting generalized tips and stuff like that. Uh, Dave, uh, would you, so you said you're about 10 hours in, um, you're really enjoying it. What do you feel about the open worldness of the game? What do you, how do you? I know you said your your experience is more limited with Souls games, but how does that uh, enhance or detract from the experience thus far? Uh, to me, when I've played Souls games in the past, the thing I liked, to I mean, and maybe I would like like you know I'm sure I would like the open world piece of Elden Ring too, but the thing I liked was like I'm I'm tackling one thing at a time. Yeah, sometimes you do have multiple enemies, but like I'm tackling one thing after the next after the next. How does Elden Ring uh address how how do you deal with that in Elden Ring when you have an open world and you could aggro, I don't know, everybody? It seems like. Yeah, I mean it's uh, for one thing, the game just gives you a lot more room in the open world to to move around. So yeah, there's a lot more things that can kill you pretty quickly and you can aggro and you know i i found the bear area pretty uh, sorry oh, the yeah. bear area for, <laughs> oh, yeah. pretty pretty quickly and and um the where i was in the game like fighting wasn't even an option because there's like six of them all around you they hit like a mac truck but you just run away and having torrent the horse or the cow i like to call it because it looks more like a cow than a horse yeah. um it that that's a game changer too 
Um, in my opinion, um, you know, that the open world gives you that much more of an opportunity to, as we said, not bang your head against the wall, but just go out and enjoy the game. Um, I do think the game has lost something um, from from other other games in the series. Uh, There is something to be said for that handcrafted linear sort of approach that you get from dungeons. Um, And I mean, that is still here to an extent, but like I'm 10 hours in, I just beat Margaret for the first time, which is the first major boss in the game, like just before we came on the show. Um, and I'm just now going into my first actual legacy dungeon. I get, I guess, I, I get, I get that you know this game doesn't necessarily have dungeons in the same way, but I, I am finding that that's something that I'm missing slightly um, because you do find little areas that are hidden and stuff. And something I didn't realize about the game is these little side areas with these side bosses. They're not. Maybe I just haven't found any, but they're not really dungeons. They're just sort of like a couple corridors with a couple of any enemies. You know, you'll get some loot and pickups and stuff, and and then you're fighting a boss. Um, so again, I, I'm I'm in the early stages of the game, Brandon. You can maybe tell me what what I can expect to come up, but uh, I do like that aspect of the open world. But at the same time, I think the game uh, might have lost something that the series I think did really, really, really well. So yeah, um, yeah. No, I think something that's nice about the um, the open world. Um, and one of the best parts of some of the other games was the they always incentivized exploration, even in these linear games. You walking around a corner that looks like you could barely walk on the edge will pay off. And I guess I kind of disagree with you in that way about it, Dave, because I feel like this game takes that sense of discovery and is able to skyrocket it. Um you know, on the edge of a cliff, there's a corpse just sitting there with an item for me to look at. Um, and who knows what that item is, if it's significant, if it tells a story, who knows? And, you know, the dungeons are really neat. I think it's a nice aside from the main bosses. Um, and they're actually spread throughout the world. That's actually a new thing, um, is that there's all these mini bosses behind dungeons, in quotes, I guess is what you can call them. Um, I will say, Dave, they haven't gotten incredibly complex, these side bosses, um, as far as moving around. There'll be some levers here when you walk down this way and pull this lever and walk back, that sort of thing. Um, But I guess it's a nice way to break up the formula um, for me, because instead of having to deal with the macho man, instead of having to deal with the big guy right away, um, I keep finding these little caves with equally as difficult enemies. I don't want to take anything away from them. They're still hard. They still take immense skill, most of them anyway. Um, but And they usually reward you quite well. Um, yeah, but- and you, um, you, you call them side bosses or mini bosses. And I think maybe, uh, tell me if you agree with me or not, but you fight them and you know they're, they're not, you know, the main big bosses in the game, but they right. still feel just as rewarding. When you yeah, finally no, take no. them down, don't they? They still have a health bar. They're still very difficult. Um, I would say there are few enemies in the open world that you'll meet as difficult as even the mini bosses. Um, and I've even started to run into um, areas where I'll have multiple mini bosses in one dungeon. <laughs> so I've been dealing with that recently too. So they do continue to mix it up. Um, I do think it is a really nice addition. Um And going back to the whole exploration thing in the open world, I think this all kind of ties into them being able to take what they had before, you know, with harder enemies in different areas and being able to hone that. So instead of it just being a hard enemy that's just standing there roaming around a fire or something, you know, have a separate little dungeon where you can crawl through and have things to find. And then you get the satisfaction from the mini boss at the end and you get ashes of war or something like that or, uh, you know, a talisman or something like that. Um, but no, I, I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, and the open world has been great. Um, I didn't know that this was something I wanted in this type of game until I had it. Um, I think they so far have perfectly captured the sense of discoverment that I had mentioned earlier. Um, it's really neat just finding someone hanging off a cliffside, going some convoluted way, um, where the only way that I knew this path was down here was because another player had written text on the ground to say, down here. You know, it's just, 
there's something so neat about this uh, about the way this game does multiplayer in the open world that I think it kind of all comes together to be a really really cool package and just like Dark Souls but somehow not like it at the same time. It's very cool. It's also got it's it feels like a, a living world. I'll give it that as well. So like there's there was this one keep that I came across and there's a bunch of different enemies. One of the pumpkin head enemies is running around there. Um, but rather than just charging in, you sort of go up and you notice that there's like an army of apes that are attacking this keep. So rather than just going in and trying to fight the enemies that are guarding the keep, you can kind of hang back and wait for them to engage with each other and then choose that strategic moment to, to, to go in. So, They've taken sort of like some of those random like real world elements that that happen in open world games and and use them in clever sort of Dark Souls ways. Another funny thing that happened to me was um, we've seen these convoys that are that were heavily marketed where the two big giants are dragging yeah. this thing yeah. and there's like a chest in the back. So I found one of those so far and uh, I spent like a good 15 minutes killing all the enemies I killed the first giant and then the second giant, I was fighting him. But the problem was I turned him around and he went to attack me and he actually destroyed the cart. Oh, so no. So the treasure chest oh, was no. gone. I just thought I wasted God all that time. Damn. So you still get those like crazy, like fun, like open world events um, and random things. So, like something that like that might not ever happen to you, Brandon, but there's probably six other things that you could tell me that – I may never experience because there's just so much random stuff that that kind of right. happens in an open world. So it does have that charm to it. And um, yeah, I think it, you know, the open world, just to be clear for me, I think it's more, done more good than bad. And again, I am really in the game, but uh, it's just having that freedom to go and do other stuff, um, especially for someone who's kind of a, you know, lower skill, more casual player when it comes to these games is has been really, really nice. But again, it's not, I don't think it's any, any more easy than any of the other games, but you just, you have those choices, which is, which is good. Definitely. 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 Nice. I'm looking forward to playing it. Uh, I need to be, I need, I need to finish horizon and then I think I might jump into it, but I know that if I play another game, if I move away from horizon, um, then I'm not going to go back to horizon for a long time. And I don't want to do that this time because I didn't play the first one for a long time. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Horizon, Brandon, have you put much time into it since we since we talked last week? Um, I picked it up once since okay. I've been playing Elden Ring, and I promptly started yeah. playing Elden Ring about ten minutes later. Right, it, it, it was kind of one of those desperation things where I'm like, all right, I'm gonna I'm getting frustrated. I'm gonna play another game for yeah. a little bit, <laughs> and as I'm rolling around, I'm like, this game is so great. It looks so beautiful. I'm interested in all of this, but I want to play Elden Ring. Right, so I just I just popped it right back in the console. So nice. Yeah, I uh, I played quite a bit more since we talked last, and uh, I'm just still really enjoying it. I don't really have anything new or different to say than we talked about last week, but just that I'm still really enjoying it. It's not lost its luster. Uh, I certainly think there are less dull moments, I feel like, in the story than there were in the last game. But the one thing that is getting a little bit um, jarring is like I'll run into people and that they start talking to me as if they know me. And I'm like, who is this person? <laughs> and apparently it was like some random side quest in the first game that I didn't do. Oh yeah. And I'm just like, all right, I guess, <laughs> I guess we're buddies. We're like, you know, whatever, but that's, that's fine. Um, I can deal with that. But uh, other than that, I'm really enjoying it. Really looking forward to keep playing it. And uh, I'm probably like 20 hours in, but only like 8% because I was just doing maybe a little further than that, but just doing all sorts of, everything i could uh but in the last couple hours i've been playing it i've been mainlining things yeah. so it's pretty dense it's actually really, it is nice. really dense yeah it's nice my goal is to probably still do a lot of the side stuff but mainline the story and then go back and clean up uh, before i actually beat the game yeah because if i if i beat the game it's unlikely i'll go back and clean up everything else and i really do like the side quests a lot of them are really cool yeah i will say that about this game is the side quests are just as interesting as the main story. And yeah. that very, very, very rarely happens. Agreed. Um, Witcher 3 is the only game that comes to mind recently that even comes anywhere close. So. All right. Yeah. Cool. All right, boys. Anything else for the show this week? Uh, Brandon, Gran Turismo 7. Is that what we're discussing next week? Brandon, oh, do you care to join in or, dude, or what? Listen, here's the, <laughs> here's the thing. Um, I want to. Uh breaking my heart i just 
Dave, listen, I really do. But honestly, I have such a girthy, girthy, absolutely veiny game library right now. <laughs> um, and it's kind of just taking up most of my attention. So we will see. Who knows? Maybe the day will come by and I'll end He's up. He's going to get up. FOMO. And yeah, go to probably. Yeah. But we'll see. I, For the sake of my games being finished, I shouldn't. But we'll see. I am. As you know, Dave, I'm not. I like racing games. I've never been very good at them and never gotten into them that much. I'm sure FOMO will hit me hard, too, but it's not a day one pickup for me. It's probably more like a wait a couple months, see if my FOMO dies down, borrow it from Brandon and then buy it eventually. Yeah, uh, that's usually how these things go for me. That's all right. That's all right, boys. At the very least, I will I will have some uh, some discourse, some things to say about it next week. 100 nice. percent. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to a 20 minute segment all about Dave playing GT7. <laughs> I'll, right. I'll get the soliloquy written. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean you're going to drop Elden Ring, or can you play two games at the same time? I no, can. I'm going to focus on these two for a little while. I just want that's that that's why my heart broke when I saw the Guardians of the Galaxy thing because I'm just like it's going to be a while before I can get to that. So. Oh yeah. By the time you get to it, it'll be off the of Game Pass, just like near, and then you have to play both of them. Yeah, yeah. But again, if you want to if you want to donate me a copy donate a copy of Near to me, then I will I will I'll make room. I promise. All right. Well, that'll probably happen, honestly. I'm pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> I just have a feeling. Uh, that's it for the show. Remember, patreon.com slash handsomefandom. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch you guys later. Bye. The HP Podcast is supported by our patrons over at patreon.com slash handsomefandom. Jason Canham, Toby Ryland, Chaz Peterson, Edward Walton, Josh Cummings, Jared, Boots, Fusebro, Passive Pixels Edwin Castillo, Maurice Bays, and H-Trons. <laughs>